the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Fat, where Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Joe and James. Chewing. <laughs> I was going to say, how many large, large men does it take to navigate Zoom? Turns out Honestly, three months we've been using Zoom and I still can't do it. Right, chewing the fat episode seventy something. I've no idea what we're on. Seventy seven, something like that. Another polished performance. Um, Joe, what are we talking about? We're talking about mindset mastery. So obviously, this is something that has we've kind of incorporated into the plan a bit more recently with the affirmation work, and we've not mentioned it for a couple of weeks. So we thought it'd be a good point to go to to go back to. Um, and to, to dig a little bit deeper and give people some pointers and, and input into why some of this stuff is so important and, and different tips and tricks and ways to, to use it and approaches and changes and challenges to the way that people often look at stuff. So one of the first notes that I put um, in the email was how to exercise when you don't want to. And I think, I don't know if you've noticed this is clearly uh, obvious oh, where we've been. It's very hot on the weekend. It's rained for a couple of days. And then I've obviously had people saying, it's too hot, I can't exercise. And then two days later, it's too rainy, I can't exercise. And then the other half of my clients have said, I've exercised, come what may. And I feel really good for it. And I think that this is one of the key things that I see is even before we go into kind of the affirmations and some of the mindset tactics that we use is that there's always going to be a reason not to do these things. And I think that we have to be proactive uh, with you know an open mindset to these things and find solutions to problems because they're always going to be there it's just whether a case of whether we can find them or not 100 percent. i've got to say the kind of not wanting to train thing is one that's come up a few times with a couple of my clients as well so the kind of advice i give them is you've got to stop looking at today and start looking at tomorrow so you might not and again you know go back to the age-old comparison that I use about going to work like you're not always motivated to get up and go to work but you do it because you want the end result you want to you know keep your job you want to get paid at the end of the month so if you can start looking beyond right now and not like I don't want to do this workout but you want to get the results from doing this workout and you know doing this workout you're going to be thankful for in the future in you know a week's time it's it's tough because it's not got that instant gratification that like eating something does. You eat something, you feel great straight away. You know, you feel, you know, you do a workout and you might feel the benefits in a week, two weeks, three weeks, a month or something like that. So it's just shifting your mindset, shifting that view of, I don't want to do this workout, but I want these end results. And every workout I do takes me one step closer to my goal. Um, and I did this with one of my clients. I said, no, obviously don't shoot the messenger because I'm a man and I've never gone through childbirth, but I've seen it. Horrific. No, it wasn't horrific. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously contractions, they look like they sting a little bit, would be my guess. Um, but I kind of <laughs> said to Tanya, when we were having them, like each one was exciting because each one was one closer to meeting Magnus. 
So when you shift from that thinking like, oh my God, I don't want this contraction. It's coming. It's going to be painful. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be horrible to thinking, right, I get another one done and I'm one step closer to, you know, meeting my kid. So every workout you do that you don't want to do is one step closer to hitting that goal, to getting that dream body, to feeling how you want to feel, to looking how you want to look. And then it turns it into a positive thing. And then again, you can look beyond that. And I think, right, every, you know, the stronger I stay, the more supple I stay, the fitter I stay now pays off in later life. And it's just looking again, not focusing on right now, focusing on tomorrow. What is this workout going to bring me tomorrow? You know, in a month, in two months, in three months, in 10 years, in 20 years, in 30 years. I'm going to have a drink. <laughs> I love the idea of your wife on, on the hospital bed, like with a dewy brow and you just whispering in her ear being like, you should be grateful. You should be enjoying this process. Get excited. Get excited. Right. There's another contraction. Come <laughs> get excited. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing, yeah, but it did. Uh, one thing that I, you know, sometimes with, with me and my missus, we both do rowing. We've got a rowing machine in the garage and she'll say, I don't want to train today. And when I say it to her, she'll just say, we'll both say to each other, so what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you want to do in this exact moment. What matters is, is that it will benefit us longer term. It's kind of a commitment that we both made to, to work and to get better at something. And you know that I joked, I don't know if we'd press record or not. That I've worked really hard on this rowing plan for the last four weeks. I've not missed a session and I've got worse. You know, it's akin to kind of weighing in and getting on the scales and it going up, but it going up for a month. And the number of times that people have that and go, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop or I'm going to go and, and sabotage my progress by eating or drinking whatever. And it's just having that forethought and, and catching yourself before you do that because people wouldn't do that with their job. You, know, you wouldn't wake up late for work and go, well, I'm not going to go in and not tell the boss. So we have to try to, we've got, everyone's got this skill set. You know, you mentioned it with family and with work and often with exercise, but people then don't apply that to their food. And I think that that is, is so key and a lot of people don't apply it to their exercise and obviously that's what we're trying to talk about here so bring it back to that is that look at it as a non-negotiable i think i said this on the exercise podcast last week is you know that if you look at it as something you can back out of then you're giving yourself that avenue it's like when people say oh, i'm all or nothing you know, you're suggesting that you can only have everything is it's not possible for you to moderate it's not the case at all it's just a skill you need to master and the same with the exercise of, of committing to it and doing it when you don't want to and there's loads of different ways to get around this. Being accountable with your coach, you know, one big thing I'm keen on is getting my clients to say, right, I am going to train these sessions on these days at these times and set it out at the start. And then you've got that, that roadmap to follow. It's the same as a meal plan. It all gets a lot easier to do when you've committed to it in advance. And I think that having that longer term goal you know, with me and the ring, of the, then it means I won't wimp out of a session. I won't back out of a session. You know, I'm paying for a plan from a coach. So I'm going to do it because otherwise i'm just wasting my money and as a that's the worst thing in the world the thought of not getting value for money out of something i've paid for and it's trying to to find what works for the individual you know does accountability work for you does working with someone else you know, have your training partner work for you could you do stuff with your kids you know there's all sorts of different ways to master this we just need to, to find what works for you yeah, I think you know, two, two huge things there. One, accountability and two, some kind of leverage. So I'm currently working with a coach, which I'm quite happy to be vocal about because I just wasn't happy with what I was doing during lockdown. It's fine. I wasn't, I didn't gain any weight. In fact, I lost a little bit of weight, but my training was, has been infrequent. Like I said, my food's been okay, but I just wanted a bit of focus. So for me, that means having a very clear deadline. So I'm doing a 12-week plan. So then at the end of that 12 weeks, 
I need to have kind of peaked for that. Now, obviously, it's not a very sustainable plan. I'm on really low calories um, for the next eight weeks. It's going to be a joy when we meet up again, Joe. Um, <laughs> but just having that leverage and having that accountability to check into someone because, again, you know, I'm the best person ever at convincing myself to skip a workout or, you know, eat fish and chips or do this and do that. Whereas if I've, you know, spent money, like you said, with your rowing coach, I'm going to like, I want some return on that investment. I'm not just going to go like, eh, I'll just do what I want. Because then when I check in with my coach and he's like, have you been hitting your calories? Have you been doing your workouts? And I go, no. And he's going like, well, why have you not done it? Like, oh. <laughs> so for me, that external you know, accountability and leverage, which is obviously why everyone's here because everyone's getting coached by us, is just huge. And it's, it's not something to be ashamed of. It feels sometimes like it's a bit of a dirty word for people. Like, I can't believe I have to be accountable to someone. Like, loads of people do. That's, you know why lots of people have jobs. That's why we have a business coach because we've got someone who's got a greater skill set than us, but then we're also accountable. So when he says, right, I think you should do this and this. And then we get a call with him the next week. He's like, oh, did you do it? And we're like, no, like, fucking why not? So it's just two, two huge things again that's going to help your mindset. And then, you know, that whole kind of fake it till you'll make it thing that I go on about quite a bit is you want to behave like the person you want to be until that become you know until you become that person until it becomes natural for you to not eat a takeaway on a weekend or to limit the amount of drinks that you have or to do you know the more you fake training three times a week the more it will become part of what you do you are a person who works out three times a week so again it's just those different bits of mindset instead of going i hate working out i don't want to work out just fucking do it until it becomes part of what you do I think the key thing is as well that very, very rarely does someone do a workout and say, do you know what? I wish I hadn't bothered. That was yeah. a complete waste of my time. I shouldn't have done that. And that kind of ties nicely into the next point of delayed gratification is that working out, you know, I don't particularly enjoy getting on that rower and busting my ass and, and finding it really hard work, but I like the feeling of success and of progression. And this is one of the reasons I love being a coach. because I love seeing people do well. And it's the only thing, you know, I, there's only one of me. I can only get better at rowing and, and whatever I'm focusing on. But if I've got 100 clients, I've got the chance to see 100 people improve. And it's a brilliant feeling to be a part of. And I think that this delaying of gratification that you see with exercise, with food, is where people often come unstuck. If anyone's ever heard of the marshmallow test before, I might have mentioned it. It was an American study where they left kids in a room and they had a marshmallow in front of them. They said, if you can wait 10 to 15 minutes, you can have two marshmallows. And then the kids that were successful were the ones that distracted themselves. The ones that kind of sat there and looked at the marshmallow eventually broke. And the reason this stuff is so useful is they tracked, they, they then followed these uh, study participants up kind of decades later. And the people who'd been able to delay gratification had been more successful over the course of their lives in the, in, across kind of all of these different measures. And the reason being, you know, James mentioned before, gratification with getting up for work exercise with your food now this is going to have if you can work on this, this is a skill and something you can do then it's going to have a knock-on effect to your whole life and it's also you know a lot of our clients the majority of them are parents and if you can show this skill to your children and how it's going to be done then you're going to be you know, a better role model for it and i think that it's something that's worth striving for in regards to not being happy in the moment and I think so often we see sustain is that people get lost in this. Of, you know, I've had a bad day. I need to boost my mood. So I'm not going to exercise. I'm going to eat food off plan. I'm going to make myself feel good for this 10 minutes. Then what's the trade-off? 
you know, all we've got to do for me and James is scroll down on your questionnaires and look at these things that are written and it's or with the affirmations and the affirmations are brilliant because it's there every day and it's saying, you know, some of them are so hard to read and it makes you kind of like get a bit of a knot in your chest when people say, you know, I'm ashamed, I'm disgusted, I'm, you know, I'm not being as good a role model or as parent or grandparent as I could be and I'm desperate to change. And that's what we kind of need to hold on to, you know, when you've got this moment of really want to not train, I really want to eat or whatever it may be, is deep somewhere in your subconscious is these really powerful drivers. And that's why the affirmation stuff is so important. Because if you were about to eat off plan or sack up your session, and I tapped you on your shoulder and said, what would your grandson think about this? Or, you know, what would, what would Magnus think about this? You'd probably get your finger out and put the effort in. But it's not possible. I can't kind of be in your psyche all the time. And this is why these things are so important. And often people shy away from this stuff because it's painful, because it's uncomfortable to think this isn't good enough as it is. And that's that pain. Is you've got to kind of go into that painful point and be aware of this. And then you can use that going forwards. If you just shy away from this stuff, it's constantly trying to feel good all the time. And it just, you have to pay the piper eventually with that sort of stuff. And Obviously, I'm quite passionate about it because I've just rumbled on for five minutes. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll pass you over to James, see what he's got to say. No, 100%. And uh, yeah, I'm all about that. Like I say he's looking at the bigger picture and he's, like you said, he's getting over just looking at today. How do I feel today? Well, I can't be asked doing this. And, you know, one of the, the things that really, you know, puts a pin in my dick is when people say, <laughs> you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be bothered. You know, I couldn't be bothered or, you know, I couldn't be asked to do this. It's like, oh, my God. And like you say, it's like, this is bigger than you. And it's bigger than just like, oh, let's just lose fat or, you know, let's lose weight over this three-month period. Like, we're trying to set you up for the rest of your life. And it's looking at, like I say, it's 100% looking beyond that and kind of what example are you setting to your kids? What do you know? You know, speaking to one of my clients who's, uh, she's 57. She's gone about things. I said, well, how long do you want to live? You know, because I'm 42 now, I want to at least get to 82. You know, probably got a couple more years if I can want to do this then. now. I want to at least get to 82. So that's another 40 years. That's another, you know, I feel like I've been alive forever already. But that's double That's double that. Some quick maths. Well, it's just a double. Um, <laughs> how do I want to live that life? Do I want to live that life in pain, not being able to move properly? You know, do, you know, having my kids come and having to, you know, do my housework. That'd be nice you know, but cook for me and stuff like that. Or do I want to be like seriously independent? Do I want to be able to, you know, run around, go to jujitsu, go tie boxing with Magnus when he's kind of 15, 16, 17, you know, that's the life that I want. And that starts now. And I was trying to say to a client who's like 57, I was like, when you get to 60 or 70 and you go, ah, oh, hell, I should really, I should really try and get a bit stronger. I should really, you know, try and maintain the muscle mass that I've got now. I should really try and increase my bone density. I should really try and get fit now. It's not too late but you're 20 years behind where you could have been. So just like I said, shifting that mindset from just being here to coming up here and like, you know, can't see the woods for the trees, that, that kind of thing. Um, another thing that I got with one of my clients was just like, I just can't get motivated to, get, to train. I said, all right, take, and this is an exercise I did on a course, is take an Air Force sheet of paper and fold it into quarters. Then on the top left-hand corner, you write all the pros of working out. And then you write on the top right-hand corner all the cons of not working out. No, of working out, sorry. And then underneath, you do the exact opposite. You write all the pros of not working out, and then you write all the cons of not working out. And then you see how that fits, because, you know, the pros of working out is you're going to be fit, you're going to be healthy, you're going to look sexy, you're going to burn fat, yada, yada, yada. 
the cons of working out, well, it takes a bit of time. We're going to be a bit sore. That's about it. Think about all the pros of not working out. Um, I'll have a bit more time. I won't be sore. I'm thinking right now, all the cons of not working out. Well, I won't burn any calories. I won't increase my muscle mass. I won't increase my bone density. So it's going to be a completely skewed list. And then you've got something just really visual there that the next time you think, I can't be asked working out, you look at that and you're like, fucking hell, I should work out. And it kind of falls into a video that I did the other day when I was saying, you know, someone who's emotionally eating, you can film a video of yourself just saying, look, James, right now you're thinking you're tired, you're stressed out, you want to eat, you know, whatever it is, donuts. Donuts from Morrison's. How much are they, Joe? 50p for five. Unbelievable. Robbing yourself. So I go, James, you know, you're tired, you're stressed out, you want to eat these donuts. But the reality is tomorrow or even immediately afterwards, you're going to fucking regret it and you're going to feel like a real dick doing it. Ben Shotball on the big vape there. Um, <laughs> it <looks> sm- smashing <laughs> it. So completely, completely put me off there. So I've done this video where I've just said, don't do this because this is you in the future. You're going to regret this. So instead of doing that, why don't you just listen to, you know, some songs or, you know, go play with Magnus or, you know, do something else. And it's just taking yourself at that moment and putting that physical barrier in front of you, kind of either eating something you shouldn't do or not doing something that you should do for me. <clears throat> Puts a pin in my dick. Where did you get that from? Anyway. Moving, so moving I'm doing it right now point. so you can't see me. <laughs> I think what you said there about, um, about just changing, changing the way that you think and, it's very interesting from like a CBT perspective. So cognitive behavioral therapy, which is some of the stuff, the affirmations we've basically ripped from is that we ha- we're all going to have these immediate thoughts that we can't control. And they, they fall under 10 different categories because they're inaccurate thought processes. As soon as you tug at the string of them, they often fall to pieces. So, you know, if you're saying I'm in a bad mood, I want to eat. And then all you have to do is to intercept that thought. Why, why do you want to eat? Well, I want to eat because I'm in a bad mood. It'll make me feel better. You know, is that the truth? And so quickly, all of these inaccurate thought processes just crumble away. And it just takes that moment of grabbing hold of that thought and assessment to do that. And obviously, you know, people don't do this for, for decades. And this is where they, you know, we, we get ourselves in these situations because we've just completely trusted our immediate thoughts are correct. And one of the things I quite like is, you know, would you, you look at your immediate thoughts as a child. People talk about this as uh, the chimp in the chimp paradox book that a lot of people have heard of is that your chimp is just your immediate actions and your immediate desires. It's a bit like, you know, I look at my inner voice as a petulant child. You know, I want sweets right now. Like, well, I, you know, I wouldn't give my child, I don't have one, but if I did, wouldn't give them sweets every time they asked. So why are we doing that? You know, and I see sometimes people write something along the lines of, I didn't have any dinner because I wasn't hungry. And then I had a bag of crisps. You know, would you do that with your kids? If they said, I don't fancy dinner, you know, would it be like, okay, no dramas. Do you fancy four packs of mini cheddars? I'm sure that's not the case. And it's, but we're so quick to trust our immediate thoughts that we just need to get used to assessing them. And, you know, if, if anyone like me has spent a bit of time pottering around the Slimming World group, just out of interest, the number of times people say, I'm back on it. You know, I'm going again. I had a bad day, you know, starting in tomorrow. Don't, not going to dwell on it. Not going to beat myself up. What, what I hear with that is, I'm refusing to learn from this. Mm. And you've got a choice of, again, delaying gratification. It feels good to not beat ourselves up and to not learn about this stuff for about five minutes until it happens again. So we have to assess these things. You know, when it goes wrong, why? You know, if I go back to my rowing, what was the situation? 
Well, there's a few different things it could be. Um, so then all I've got to do is put those things into action. If I just say, right, I'm going to do exactly the same thing again. I'm going to do exactly the same program to the, to the letter. It's not going to work. It's not worked once. It's probably not going to work again. I've mentioned a hundred million times to James that I have not had chocolate for a prolonged period of time. And I just remember there was that trigger point of when I was in the co-op kind of with three chocolate bars in my hand being like, how many times are you going to do this? How many times are you going to try the same tactic to make yourself feel better before you start doing something differently? You know, this is absolutely nuts. You, you know, you flog this dead horse, something chronic. It's, you know, it's time to change. And I think that people kind of need to get to that point. Sometimes, you know, they're a bit sick of their own shit and then they do something differently. And I think that only by facing up to that stuff is how we get there. Um, so, you know, it is hard. It's not much fun to go. Do you know what? I'm a nutrition coach and I was a PT for five years before that. And I've got this wrong for years on end. But otherwise, I'd still be in the same spot now. You know, it's been a year and a half since I kind of made that decision and it's going reasonably well. But it's because I faced up to that stuff that it wasn't worth. Oh, got it. You dropped out, fixed it. Um... Yeah, I compared it to a bit ago, like saying it's like parallel parking. So you parallel park, you pull up alongside, you start reversing, you turn your wheel. And then if you don't fit, you know, if you don't get it in, I'm fucking terrible at parallel. Is it parallel parking, reverse parking, parallel parking, whatever it is. Both. Um, yeah, reverse parallel parking, we'll call it. <laughs> if you keep on doing the exact same turn on your wheel and following the same path, guess what? You're not all of a sudden just go, oh, now I've perfectly parked. You need to come out, adjust. See what happened. Were you too far away from the curb? Were you too close to the curb? Were you too close to the car? And then just make the adjustments and then try again. But like you say, all we see is just people just doing the same move, same move, like trying to reverse park exactly the same pattern, exactly the same, you know, tractor tire, exactly the same wheel pattern. It doesn't make any sense. It's not something that anyone else would do, but it's almost like people expect their body just to give in and go, well, I'm going to keep on just doing exactly the same thing. And then hopefully my... It's like when you see people doing the exact same workout with the same weights, like we used to see all the time in like in Virgin or wherever. You're like, what are you expecting to happen? You do the same cardio, you do the same weights, you know, the same reps in the same order. Like, are you expecting your body just all of a sudden just go, right, fuck it. I'm going to give you the results you want. I, I, you know, I submit. It's fucking, it just blows my mind. Like, and, you know, to go back to what you say, it's, you don't have to dwell on the past because you can't change it but you can just learn from it and adjust moving forward. But yeah, if you just go, I'm just going to draw a line under it. I'm just going to pretend it never happened. It's just a, a massively wasted opportunity to go, right, what happened? Why do I think that happened? What can I do differently moving forward? And again, just another thing I see from people is people want to get the perfect answer. Just give me an answer. I don't know about you, but I get this a lot from people like, I'm going to think about it at the weekend. Like, just give me your gut reaction now as to what you're going to try next time or you know, give me some other option. It doesn't have to be the perfect one, but you need to try something different because if you don't, then the exact same thing is going to happen, like you said. So if people want to get this, like, perfect answer, like, no, we might have to try 10 different things to fix this one problem, but we need to try something and we need to have something right now because if you go away and think about it, odds are we're going to forget about it and then it's going to happen again and the same shit is going to keep on happening. Don't know, what, what's your experience with that? Yeah, definitely. I think I see that a lot with the affirmations because it, you know, I'll go into some of the affirmation stuff now for people who haven't experienced our false beliefs and challenge them each day. So mine would be something on the lines of, 
I have a false belief that chocolate makes me happy. That is something that I used to believe. I'm much better with it now. I still have it with sweets. Anyone who's been my anyone who's my client will know that I've struggled with that a bit more recently. So my false belief moment is I can have sweets after. What's the reality of that situation? Well, the reality is what I've just said is completely wrong. Is that I haven't got leaner when I've done more exercise. In fact, I've gained a little bit of fat, really pissing me off. So that's the reality of the situation. The, the issue is, is I have that false belief every single day when I walk up to Tesco after a session and think, oh, my blood sugar is low. I've just done a big row. This is always going to happen. I'm always going to think sweet delicious. I'm always going to have lower blood sugar at the end of the day and after a workout, I'm always going to think it's going to fix my problems. And it's always not going to. So we have to, to work on challenging these things each and every day. And eventually, if I write it down afresh each day, if I think about it, if I go through that thought process, and rather than subconsciously think, I've had a tough workout, I'm tired, sweets will help, is it's going to catch on in my brain. You know, we don't build bad habits through force. We don't, we just do it on instinct. And this is the idea behind the affirmations work, is if you just do it consistently, is that these ideas will embed. And, you know, it's had massive success with me, a lot of success with clients as well. It's a case of just constantly assessing what we're thinking, what the reality is, looking at why this stuff is so important. And it's interesting, you know, I, when we do it now and people don't write their affirmations and they have a bad day, is they'll say stuff like, you know, they'll like with the sweets. I'd have sweets at the end of the rowing and say, I don't know why I can't stop this. It's like, you can't stop it because you're not thinking about it enough. Is that this stuff will always come back. You know, I mentioned about the chocolate. It's been like a year and a half. When the first day I had some after a year off, it was like going back to square one. Is that for two weeks after my first serving of chocolate, it was back on my mind. It's like crack. I've been on crack, but you know, I couldn't from what I imagine. And it's so key that we don't get too, we don't buy in too much to our own self-beliefs. And so often, you know, it's easier for me to say with people who've worked this for, for some time is you see this so much with people after a week is someone goes from 17 stone to 16 and a half in a week. And they go, I've got it really easy. This I've got it absolutely licked. And you just, you just think, no, like, please keep going. Like you've, found something that's worked and you you you're just bought into because you've had a good week and it's just something you see endlessly and i think that when it comes to the mindset stuff my advice would be if it's something that you've really struggled with is set a long-term goal that's why i did a year with the chocolate was because i tried a month or six weeks you know and done all these time frames that i thought would be better i know that there was a period of time when we did a stricter diet before and i think i did 17 weeks and i still went straight back to where i was before you know, how many times are we going to try these tactics that aren't working before we commit for a bit longer? You know, it doesn't have to be financially with us, but it has to be internally with you and to make that decision of this one I'm going to do and I'm going to see it through. Because otherwise we just end up kind of like dry January, isn't it? Everyone drinks too much in December, goes dry January. And then it doesn't make a blind bit of difference to next December. It's a nice little detox. It's a nice break. But is it actually going to make a long-term change? Probably not. And I think that I've forgotten what your initial point was, but I hope I answered it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the issue with beliefs, or not the issues, one of the struggles with beliefs are, there's something that you just believe in, they're not actually true. There's no, usually no evidence to prove that it's true. Um, but you believe them so much that your habits, your choices, your behaviours conform around them. So the amount of times we have people who are just like, I have to have this, this, you know, chocolate, it means everything to me you know, whatever it is, you know, kind of fill in the highly palatable, high calorie food choice there. And it's because they've never challenged that, you know, like you 
believe that chocolate added so much to your life. And it's only after you challenge that belief by not having it that you realize actually it doesn't. And actually you feel better having not had it. And that's huge. That's two huge pieces of evidence there. One, this thing that you thought you couldn't live without, you actually can. And two, you actually feel better for not having it. So, you know, kind of my challenge would be for some people, if you have these, these beliefs around certain foods or drinks, is just try not to have them. Do it for a day, then do it for two days, then do it for three days, or four days, or five days, or six, or seven, and a week, and a month. And then just see, and just that, you know, talking about assessing, is go back. So like you said, you know, you've done a month before, you've done six weeks before about chocolate. If you'd have sat down and gone, right, has this month, you know, this past month been the worst month of my life because I'm not eating chocolate? No, actually, I've either feel completely indifferent about it, or I'm really glad that I've not had all those extra hundreds and hundreds of thousands of calories from chocolate. And then you got some real strong evidence. Yeah, that's real strong evidence that those beliefs that you had around chocolate added so much to your life is completely false. And the belief that you had that chocolate added to your life, that was false too. So it's just some powerful stuff. And again, it's it's things that people don't challenge. And that, you know, goes into all aspects when people like think, well, when I get stressed out, I have to drink wine. You know, this is the only way I can, when the kids are pissing me off, I have to do this. When this happens, this is how I behave. And it's why I get a bit antsy in my pantsy when people go like, oh, I'm greedy. Because that's just a belief. Yeah. If you're greedy, you'd be, you know, eating apples and anything that was put in front of you. It's not. You seek comfort in certain foods in very particular choices. And when you say, oh, I'm greedy, you kind of give yourself permission to do that. Like, well, it's because I'm greedy. It's a belief that you have, but it's not true. You're not greedy. You're just not got the correct coping mechanisms for whatever's happening in your life right there and then. So yeah, just challenge, challenge your beliefs. Write down what you, you think you believe. Do I believe this? And then go, right, what, well, it's CBT in it. What evidence is that this is true, this statement? What evidence is that this is false? And you'll find the more you choose not to have something, the more evidence you'll gather that actually that belief that I had that I've been conforming to for all these years is not true. And I'm not saying it'd be easier. I'm not saying as soon as you do that once, it's like, well, that's it. You know, I'm not going to eat. You're really stubborn, Joe. You know, I'm not going to, I'm never going to eat chocolate again. You're going to mess up. But just like I was speaking to one of my clients and she's done an awesome post today. She's done a side-by-side of her face and the difference is just fucking night and day from her. Um, it's a fantastic post. Is it so important to measure backwards? I had one of my clients who's just done like, absolutely amazing, Rachel, absolutely killing it for like six months and then she messed up one day she had um kind of a higher calorie dinner with her parents and she just thought oh fuck it i've eaten badly and she had like five digestive biscuits or something you know nothing crazy something that some people would think was a good day um and she was so down on herself it's like just look back at what you've done look at how far you have come and that's why you know you will mess up 100 percent. we'll have these little slips and that's why it's so important just to reassess and see what happens and just see you know how far you've come, how many good days you've put behind you, and then also how different is it now compared to how it would have been six months ago. So she had one off kind of higher calorie meal and she had five biscuits. Now that could have been a week or two weeks of just eating shit because she just thought, oh, I've messed up now. Whereas she's managed to get like a, just a tiny little, you know, trip and that's it. So just, yeah, ch- challenge those beliefs. Think about what beliefs you have and then see, right, is this actually true? Do I know that this is true? You need to eat food. You need to drink water. That's about it. Other than that, it's probably stuff you're making up.
I like what you said there about kind of using using the past and how far you've gone. That kind of takes us nicely onto onto the last thing that the last of the notes that I made in regards to kind of daily positives. And I think that the affirmation process, you know, I've mentioned kind of having the negative drivers to hold on to as a reminder, but you can also look from the positive perspective. <clears throat> I've got a couple of clients at the moment, um, a lady, Helen, who's posted a few times in a group who's just done absolutely brilliantly. And I've asked her to tweak her affirmation because she's, you know, and because she says each day, you know, I have to do this or I won't be confident. You know, I want to be confident. I want to fit into my clothes. She does. You know, she's done, she's achieved all of her goals, but from reading her affirmation sometimes, you wouldn't know it. And so getting her to rewrite this now, she says each day, you know, I have a false, I still have a false belief that eating off plan makes me happy. I have proof that the last six months has helped me achieve this goal. I now no longer have this, you know, one thing she said that she didn't like hugging people because she worried that they think that she was too big or that she was a lot bigger than she is. And now, you know, she's two and a half stone lighter. And she doesn't have this worry anymore, but she's replaying that negative story. And it's how do you get out of that? And I think that fake it till you make it, like James said, is you then go into those things of, actually, I've not had these foods. I feel brilliant. I no longer have to worry about this. You know, my clothes fit. You've got all of these positives that you're building up and reminding yourself of each day. And I think that sometimes, you know, fat loss, and a lot of the times, in fact, I don't think it is, I know it is, is a very negative process is that, you know, you go into our group. I said this to a lady today and she was, she'd been frustrated by results. I was saying, we are never going to put up stuff that says, you know, Andy gained four pounds last week and James had a whole cheesecake on Sunday. We're always going to put forward the stuff of people doing well. There are more people struggling than there are doing well. With our clients, I would say, you know, the majority of my clients are making progress, but there are six and a half thousand people in our support group. So I would, you know, bet my last dollar that the majority of them are maintaining or gaining. And this is why we need to be so positive is that if we just look at, you know, the other week I had a lady lost nine pounds in a week. If we just look at that lady, then we crap about ourselves because no one else is hitting that. I've not had someone lose nine pounds in a week this whole year, you know. So it's just a case of comparison is the thief of joy. There's probably nothing that is more relevant to to sustain is that people back themselves into a corner by feeling negative about their process. But he, uh, <laughs> talking about the rowing, someone broke the rowing British record the other day. He's a hot minute ahead of me. If I just look at that bloke and I've just got worse by six seconds, give in. There's absolutely no good that can come from this. You just have to accept that some people will be trying harder than you, will be more gifted than you have maybe had a slice of good luck happy days for them you know i'm dead chuffed for that bloke who's absolutely whipped me in the rowing because that's just how it has to be you have to look at it that way because otherwise it's going to be a really painful process yeah he's younger than me and absolutely that, that made a big difference um, <laughs> he's probably been rowing longer than me too so this is why the daily positive we get people to do is so useful the reason i started getting clients to do it i think we started we both kind of did something similar around the same time was when COVID first kicked off, I had 80 messages that were really negative. Everyone saying about how bad it was. The next day was the same. I thought, honestly, I can't do this for, for the rest of my life. We need to be more positive here. And I asked all the clients to post something positive and I did the same. And everyone said, do you know what? I feel loads better for this. I feel much better for focusing on these positives. Your life's not changed. We're still in lockdown. You're just looking in the right places. And the thing that I, I love saying this when someone says to me, oh, I've not got any positives for today 
it takes me back to my childhood when I used to complain to my mum and she'd roll off on this monologue of, you know, you need to be more grateful, you know, do you have a roof over your head, fresh running water, clothes on your back, a warm bed to sleep in, food in the fridge, two arms, two legs, 10 fingers, 10 toes, a working heart and lungs. And I go, yes, mum, I do, yeah. And she'd go, well, if you didn't have one or two of those things, your life would be a real hard grind. You go, yeah, yeah, thanks for that. And I, you know, I hated that for about 21 years of my life. And then the last nine years of it, it's been really useful because when I'm in a spot and you know, I'm having a bad day and I have to write down my positives for the sustained clients because I do it every day, and it takes me back to that stuff and I go, you're being a real moany little brat. You know, you need to, you need to buck up your ideas and be a bit more cheerful because you've got so much that so many people have killed for. And it just puts you on that right foot. It just puts you, you know, you take a positive step going forward. I don't then start the day and think, do you know what, I'm going to have a chocolate gato for lunch to cheer myself up. Because I've gone through that process, I've gone through the affirmations, I've gone through the positive, and I think that if there's one thing that I would want people to do more of, then it's, it's to make this process as positive as possible. 100%. Um, that's, you know, like I say, the, the wins, they stack up that positivity because you're constantly looking for good things. And like I say, it doesn't, you know, again, when people go like, ah, I'm really struggling to find any wins today. Same thing as you, like, I'm sat in my house you know, you know, I'm wearing shorts, I've got no socks on, I've got a really nice plush carpet under my feet, got the heating on, you know, I've just eaten, I've had a coffee. There's all these, you know, just tiny, tiny wins that you can pick up and next day, it's, you know, three a day, you know, you've got like 44 a, a week. It's just positively just rolling, rolling, rolling forward and keeping you just looking for these things. Well, like you say, and that's why I'm so keen on the process-based goals is because if you just go, right, my goal is to weigh one stone lighter in three months' time. The only time you're giving yourself permission to be happy is when you hit that goal. And if one week you've weight loss, you know, you're not happy with it, or you stall, or you, heaven forbid, you gain a pound or half a pound, then you get pissed off and you're less likely to hit it. Whereas you've hit those process-based goals, you know, of certain amount of steps, certain amount of, you know, meals on plan, or a certain amount of treats, or a certain amount of workouts. Each week, you've got those little positives. Did I work out today? Yes. Did I hit my steps? Yes, I did. Did I drink my water? Yes, I did. Did I have protein at breakfast? Yes, I did. Boom, 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 boom. Positives. Week, check in. How did you do? Yes. Smashed all this. You know, the month. It's just people are so caught up in this old school, like, uh, just going to weigh in, and if I've not hit a number on the scales that can be affected by about 6 million fucking things, um, I'm going to be really, really pissed off, and I'll just, well, I might as well quit. And to go back to like what you said with the, the comparison thing is, it seems like it's only seems to be like weight loss because when someone, one of my clients says something like that, I say, well, should me and Joe quit then because we're not as, you know, making as much money as body coach or Weight Watchers or Slimming World or James Smith. We're like, no, that'd be fucking ridiculous. Yes, of course it'd be ridiculous because we just need to concentrate on what we're doing in our business and making this better because it doesn't matter what Joe Wicks is making. It doesn't matter how many subscribers James Smith has. That doesn't affect us. At all. We just need to concentrate on ours. It's like, you know, pulling up at traffic lights and someone in a Lamborghini pulls up and I'm going, well, my car's fucking shit. I might as well just write it off. No one would think that. You just go, ah, good for that guy. He's probably worked really hard for that. I hope he's enjoyed it. You know what I mean? It's just fucking, it's the only thing where people go like, well, someone else has lost more weight than me, so I might as well quit. What's the point? Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Just step back. And you're, and choosing to, you're choosing to do that, aren't you? It's the same, you know, you just said about the Lamborghini and that you'd say he must have worked hard. That's really nice for him. A lot of people would go, bet his dad bought it for him, bet he's a prick, <laughs> you know, whatever it may be. But that's, 
and again, it comes down to like the CBT stuff of that's your immediate thought. You can't change that. You know, thankfully I had my mum, she kind of forced me into being more positive. And I understand a lot of people didn't have that. And that it doesn't mean that you can't learn this though, that if you just challenge those thoughts every time it comes into your head, I'm having such a crap day, my life's so hard. I remember once when we worked, um, we used to have an office that was kind of near Leeds city center. And if I was having a rubbish day, I'd walk through, um, if anyone knows Leeds, the kind of Millennium Square, where there's a lot of, near a hospital. And I would just look around and I would find people and think, you know, who here has it worse than me? And you'd see people, you know, with their carers or in wheelchairs or, you know, with bandages on or whatever it would be. And it's, it's making the effort to, to, look, to look around and see those things is they're always there for you to see, you know, just turn on the TV and you'll see adverts of people who've got life worse than you. And it's, and some people have to look around more, you know, because my mum forced my hand into this stuff, it comes much more naturally to me. I understand when people say, I can't think of a positive today, but they are there. And the more you can look for them, the better you're going to feel off the back of it. And I think that it's a brilliant, you know, we talked about this being bigger than you. It's a great skill to pass on, a great approach to have. I think there's no negatives to it. There's no negatives to being more positive, especially with, you know, the simple things in life. I think the caveat to that is sometimes when you see people who will excuse themselves out of more progress and more effort by saying, well, you know, I've done quite well. I've lost six, I've lost seven pounds and that's good enough for me. You know, if your goal is to get further than that, then it's always fine to strive for more. And I think sometimes, you know, I, I feel a bit daft saying, oh, you know what? I want to lose more weight. And people will say, oh, you know, you should be happy as you are. I guarantee you when you get to that goal you've set, you'll still want another when I've achieved something and not thought, do you know what, I'd like a bit more. Bet that bloke that's just set that Rome record isn't, isn't content with that because there's always more to do. You know, even if you are the absolute peak of physical or, you know, in your career, whatever it may be, there's still going to be something you want. You know, Jeff Bezos didn't just get Amazon to wherever it's worth and go, cool, slippers on, pipe out. People are always going to want more. And I think that that's the fun. That's the, the journey is what's enjoyable. And it's trying to, to remember that when you you know you're struggling and you've gained half a pound and you're trying really hard you know this is just part and parcel of how it goes it's not just you out there on your own you know it happens to every single person no one has this this smooth run of success is it was it Messi or Ronaldo or someone said I I worked for 17 and a half years to become an overnight sensation you know it's just everyone has this point when it's hard and just engage it and try to try to enjoy it I guess <laughs> maybe Easier said yeah. than done. Well, I think we, we've touched on it before in a couple of podcasts. Definitely feel like I mentioned it. Like, there's no problem with wanting to be better. There's no problem with wanting to improve. As long as it's not, you know, you there's there's a, a thing like you know, so for your physique or my physique or whatever, people might be like, no, you. I think you know, you look good. You you should be happy with how you are. Like, well, I'm not like looking at myself. Good. Oh my god, I fucking I'm like a fat slug or something like that. But then there's no problem with me going. I know I can be better than this. I, you know, I want to strive to be better than this. So it's just that kind of tightrope of not being so harsh on yourself, but then also not being complacent if you're not happy, not feeling like, well, you know, people say you should be happy with your body. Like, well, if I'm not happy with it, I want to improve it. You know, like you might want to do financially, like you might want to do, you know, relationship, you might want to do with your families. There's no problem kind of being happy with what you've got, but then still striving to want to get more. I feel like maybe we've gone slightly off topic. Might be good for a summary. I think, you know, the, 
the areas that we've covered then, you know, with, with the exercise is there's loads of different tactics that you've got. Try to find what works best for you, whether that's going to be accountability, planning, finding a way to make you enjoy it more, or just gritting your teeth and making sure that you do it come what may, make it that kind of non-negotiables. And then from there, you know, that ties into the delayed gratification. Try to think about that child, that marshmallow, about how having something you can't always have the pleasure right now and the pleasure long-term is you're always going to have that trade-off and it's about trying to find why this is so important. Ties in the affirmations really well. Write it down affirmations, do it every day. Think about why this stuff is important to you because it is because you're giving your time and your money to, to work with us. So engage the process and if it doesn't work for you, that's fine, but certainly give it a go and then just be as positive as you can because it's all sometimes I talk about like bricks in the wall is that, you know, someone will have a Solero instead of a feast and it saves them a hundred calories. And you just think that's just another brick in the wall. It's another step forwards is that it's so often these little bits that people think don't make a difference that all add up to make a difference. You know, when you've got a client who says, I'm not, I'm not losing weight and I don't know why there's always something more you can do. And it's trying to, to be aware that every little step that you take is a positive and to, 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 be happy for those and, you know, pat yourself on the back for it sometimes because I see a lot of people doing that. Anything to throw in on that, Big Dog? No, not really. I think um, just, no, I'll save it for the next one. Probably <laughs> <laughs> another 45-minute run. So, no, that is Absolutely. it for us, I think, today. That's a good one. Save the check down to 45 minutes. I've had a flick through the comments. Um, and there's no kind of set questions, but if anyone does have any questions, then feel free to chuck it in now. Or put your hand up and I'll unmute you, maybe. Okay, two Wait, seconds when. Oh, no, I think her. you've got to do it. Let me find her before it's done. Hang on, she's off. Go. Sorry. I work, I'm yo-yoing between working out hard and then getting too knackered and needing time off. And when I try and scale back, I feel really bad if I get to the end of a workout and think I could give a little bit more. And that's kind of a mindset thing, hence my question. I think for me, and it would be a case of, I know that from, it depends what you're doing. From like a rowing perspective is people would never be advised to have more than three really, really intense sessions because your body just can't recover from those certain heart rate zones. So then it's a case of what's the most I can do in a week when it's having three higher intensity sessions and then, several lower intensity sessions that is you know scientifically what you can do the most of so it's trying to find you know if you've got the willpower and the ability to do that is you know it's it'd be like if you're redlining all the time and then you're training really hard for two weeks and then not training for two weeks then you have to kind of half what you've done because it hasn't worked you know you've not been able to get the most out of that four weeks if it's this constant boom and bust or work to break point and then breaking so then we need to scale back because it's a case of it's just not getting you the best results. It's not getting you the, the most progress. And then, you know, to, to use my example, actually, instead of doing three a week, I'll do two a week and two medium sessions. And then whilst yeah, it is a little bit frustrating to go that, you know, it wasn't as hard as it could have been. The flip side is it's doing more than you, you have been doing. And, and then it's a step forward. So I do kind of understand that and that desire just to, to do more and more and more. But if it's not working, you know, taking that step back and looking at it over the course of a month, you have to That's what look at it from that perspective. What I was wondering. Yeah. Be satisfied with the medium session. Absolutely. 
you know, not to, there's obviously times to push on and times to do a more balanced session. But I think, you know, expecting yourself to kind of redline every session, just, it's just not how it works. You know, right. if, if athletes aren't doing it, then we shouldn't be doing it. 100%. Okay. I've got one from Amanda. I'm going to ask you to unmute Amanda. I think I've asked. Hello, there you go. Right, so Amanda's saying, uh, you better set in one long-term goal or set more interim-based goals to hit. The goal for the year seems overwhelming and out of reach. So what I would suggest, or one option is, to set that year goal and then work backwards. So if you have a year's goal, so we do this with a three-month goal, is you set your three-month goal, where do you need to be in a month? Where do you need to be in two months? And then you've got those interim goals already built in. So your overall goal, you know, your year-long goal could be to lose two stone. Okay, so where do you need to be in six months' time? And then where do you need to be in three months' time? And then where you need to be in one month's time? And then you can check in and see where you're at. So if, you know, it's half a stone in a month and you're at, you know, 10 pounds, fantastic. If you're at five pounds, then we need to adjust something. So we need to, to adjust the approach to get you to that end goal or we need to kind of step up our game a little bit. So yeah, my, you know, so purely from a business thing, I'm sure Joe will agree with this, if we said, right, sustain this year, we want to make a million pounds in the year, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> that'd be, probably won't be working in my attic. Um, <laughs> then we need to figure out where we need to be in six months' time. We need to figure out where we need to be in three months' time. We need to figure out where we need to be kind of month on month. So you can work backwards from there, and then it'll be less daunting because you've, then you've got, right, I know. So even, again, by business-wise, we had to do this when we started with our um, – coach is kind of what kind of lifestyle do you want to lead you know how much do you want to be working and then you work backwards from there so if you have that kind of long distance goal that long-term goal you know exactly how I want to look I want to feel like this then we can start working backwards okay cool where do we need to be in you know nine months time where do we need to be in six months time does that make sense does that feel like it'd be less oh, yeah. daunting yeah it's you- just like when I think Joe, someone said about like setting the year goal I was a bit like oh god that seems like so obviously far away and quite unachievable but I guess it's just putting those little steps in place beforehand yeah it's like it's exactly. kind of it seems like a bit sure of you seems a bit kind of pie in the sky at the moment but it's that whole, whole kind of thing like you want to get to the top of the mountain you know where that is so if you just go right I'm going to just keep climbing until I get there that's pretty daunting but if you're like right so I want to be there by 12 o'clock and I want to be there by two o'clock and I want to be there by so that means I need to walk for three hours now then it becomes less daunting because you've got these little checking points along the way. Go on, Joe. I do think that having that longer-term goal is really important because if you look at stuff like dry January, is that people are just thinking too short-term. So they smash dry January, then they go straight back to how they were before. And this is, you know, our our refusal previously. You know, we do 28-day challenges, but we don't sell 28-day plans consistently because it just doesn't work. Is that when people do these things that, they'll do really well for that time period and then they go back to how they were and you know it's just not very sustainable and i think that people need to have that longer term goal even if it is i'll lose a stone in 28 days then i'll keep it off for 11 months it's just something to tie you in to, to keep going so if someone has a 28 day goal you know i'm perfectly happy to work with that stuff but by day 14 or 21 i'll be asking what we're going to do next because it's fine if short term goals work for you but you've got to make sure you've got 12 because otherwise You've got that period, you've not, and sometimes you see that people go, I've not got a goal, so I'm not motivated. Who sets goals for anyone? You know, unless we're kind of athletes working to deadlines, we need to make sure that, you know, we're setting those goals. And I think that's, you know, something that I would would push for. Okay, thank you. 
You're welcome. So Ben's just said, after he's having his jam donut vape, when we talk about donuts, uh, it's about maintaining that focus on your goals. That's where I fall over, sustaining focus. So again, you know, kind of even writing your goals down every single day will keep that focus and then reviewing them, you know, kind of reviewing how your week went, how your month went. Um, it's just constantly putting it in front of you because, you know, we get people, like Joe said, with these really emotive questionnaires and then kind of three weeks in, a month in, they kind of moved away a little bit from that initial pain that caused them to sign up and then kind of drifted away from, you know, remembering the goals. And that's why we're so keen on write your goals down, write your affirmations. Don't just copy and paste them, write them down, read them, read them out loud, put them somewhere you can see them. So it's constantly kind of drilled into you. This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm going this extra effort because, you know, getting results is inconvenient. You know, getting fat and not working out is convenient. You eat convenient food. You don't do anything. You watch Netflix. That's convenient. Working out, cooking your own food, or you know, making sure that you kind of prep some food or you plan your food is inconvenient. But it's not as inconvenient as being, well, as harsh as it sounds, fat and miserable for the rest of your life. You know, incapacitated because of illness or a medication. That sounds pretty fucking inconvenient for me. So if I could be a little bit, you know, inconvenient now by cooking my own food for you know 20, 30 minutes for my dinner. That's an easy trade-off for me. What about you, Joe? Yeah, absolutely. I think that nothing worth achieving is convenient, is it? So that would be how I try to look at it and how I try to... Yeah, the convenience road. Because the convenience road is probably what's brought you here. And that's what I said to one of my clients. She said she needed to... Her husband always eats cheese and crackers, but he's thin on an evening. She's like, so I need to find something to snack on. Do you really need to snack on something? She went, yeah, I'll feel... um, like I'm missing out if I don't have something. Oh no, what did she say? I can't remember the word was. Uh, basically, yeah, she said she's missing out. I'm like, but you've not missed out on anything and that's what's caused you to get here. You know, so maybe like a little bit of inconvenience now of not having a snack or not, you know, indulging on something for a short period of time. It's like, you know, if I was 20,000 pounds in debt, I'd want to save as much money as possible. I wouldn't just be like, I want to keep on spending money. There's got to be... You know, there's a reason why I'm fucking £20,000 in debt because I've been spending too much money. But anyway, I feel like I'm going off on a bit of a rant now. Do you, do you have a debt you need to tell me about? <laughs> no, I'm good. I've got to pay for the house. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not, I'm not putting your wages up. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got to pay that. That's the nervy bit. I've got to pay for the deposit for the house. Oh. Right, are we good? It's another hour long one. Nah, 57 minutes. We're getting there. Right. Thank you very much for joining, guys. Uh, Much appreciated you spending your afternoon with us. Take it easy. Love, peace, and hair grease.